As always, healthcare is a business, and so your facility wants to make sure that you are billing for your services correctly, and you also want to make sure you're doing the same thing because depending on how you might bill for this co-treat, you may or may not be accidentally overbilling or underbilling for your time. Which of course, billing incorrectly under any circumstance may put you in the category of filing a false claim. Hi, I'm Clarice Grody, and welcome to the Amplify OT podcast. I'm an occupational therapist by trade and a policy wonk by choice. This podcast is here to help you survive and thrive in the U.S. healthcare system through a better understanding of policy, advocacy, and value-based care. So let's dive in. Hello, hello. Today we are answering a common question that I see all over social media and that I get in my DMs a lot, which is can physical therapy and occupational therapy co-treat in acute care? Now, sometimes we ask about speech therapy, but to be honest, the most common co-treating scenario is OT and PT. Also to set some foundation, when I'm talking about acute care, I am talking about the level of care that's provided in a hospital We are not talking about acute rehab, which people often use to refer to inpatient rehab, which is a different type of facility. This is specifically talking about acute care, so that hospital-level-based care. Another definition to go ahead and get out of the way is co-treating. So co-treating is when two disciplines treat the same patient at the same time. So this isn't the same thing as like concurrent or group where one therapist is treating multiple patients. This is when most commonly it's OT and PT. So either the occupational therapist and physical therapist is treating one patient at the same time or some combination of OTA, PTA, OT, and PT. Occasionally you will see co-treats between OT and speech or speech and PT, but it's just not as common as the OT and PT scenario. Others may also consider when an OT and OTA are treating a patient at the same time, co-treating. And while I guess you could technically say that it is co-treating, that kind of scenario does not apply to what we're talking about today. Across the board, if an OT and OTA are treating a patient at the same time, only one of you can bill for that time. Now, if you're passing the patient off, like the OT sees the patient for 15 minutes and the OTA sees the patient for 15 minutes, that's a different scenario than if the OTA is helping me with a transfer as an OT or vice versa. One of you is essentially serving as a tech that's not really considered co-treating in the traditional sense. Okay, so now that we have that out of the way, the reason this question comes up so much and is so confusing is because acute care has multiple different billing methods and is somewhere where both Medicare Part A and Medicare Part B are billed, and it isn't as easy to tell the difference between when someone is Med A and Med B as it is in other facilities where you might, like in home health, you're really only going to be generally seeing Medicare Part A patients because you're providing through a home health agency versus like in SNF, you might have Med B and Med A patients, but generally there tends to be a pretty clear divide. I should also say my last little disclaimer before we break this down further is that what I am talking about applies to Medicare Part A and Medicare Part B. If your patient is on Medicare Advantage, which are run by private health insurance companies, or on some other type of insurance, what I'm saying may not apply to them. Sometimes they bill similarly in terms of these bundled payment models, 
as Medicare does, but that is not always the case. So if you have a patient that is not a Medicare patient, you may need to chat with your supervisor or case manager about how exactly therapy services are covered in acute care. And again, to be clear, when I'm saying Med A, I'm referring to Medicare Part A or traditional Medicare. I am not referring to Medicare Advantage, which is I will often refer to as an MA plan, Medicare Advantage versus Med A as Medicare Part A. Another reason why folks may have a hard time finding information on this topic is because Medicare doesn't call it co-treating. They primarily refer to it in their documents as team treating. So if you are trying to find information from CMS or the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services, try Googling team treating versus co-treating. I don't even want to tell you how many hours that took me to figure out. I think another reason this question comes up is because generally in acute care, patients are the most acute. So they more often warrant requiring a co-treat and two skilled disciplines providing an intervention at the same time, especially if we're looking at ICU patients, than a patient in other facilities that may not be as acute. So first and foremost, let's talk about why this is important to know, and a lot of it comes down to billing. As always, healthcare is a business, and so your facility wants to make sure that you are billing for your services correctly, and you also want to make sure you're doing the same thing because depending on how you might bill for this co-treat, you may or may not be accidentally overbilling or underbilling for your time, which of course, billing incorrectly under any circumstance may put you in the category of filing a false claim. And if you want to learn more about filing false claims and how to avoid them, head to episode 16 of this podcast. So the first thing you want to know on whether or not you can co-treat in acute care is whether or not your patient is a Medicare patient, and if they're a Medicare patient, whether or not they are an inpatient or an observation or outpatient status. So in acute care, patients fall under two different statuses. They're either admitted to the hospital, in which case they are classified as an inpatient stay, which generally means that that patient is going to require at least 48 hours or two midnights of hospital-level care. If someone is admitted as an inpatient, this is billed under Medicare Part A. The second type of patient is a patient that is either observation or outpatient status. Some people may call it OBS. And this type of patient is one where they're not technically fully admitted to the hospital. And this stay is billed under Medicare Part B, not Medicare Part A. Usually, you will find their status listed somewhere in their medical record, and if you're not sure, then I recommend that you go and ask the case manager or the social worker because they will know. Inpatient and OBS patients are generally staying in similar rooms. They may be mixed on the floor. Generally speaking, most of your observation patients are going to be the people that are there for total joints. They sometimes are your COPD patients, so they just need a quick intervention, and then they're out the door the next day some of those kind of less acute stages versus if a patient is there for a little while, generally they're going to be inpatient. Now, occasionally their status may change. So sometimes someone is admitted as observation and then it's decided that something more serious is going on or maybe they were supposed to have a total knee replacement and then they developed excessive pain or excessive swelling and now they're here for three, four nights, and we need to switch them to an inpatient status. So every now and then, a patient status will change 
either during the hospital stay or sometimes retroactively. So because of the status change, this sometimes is why facilities just go ahead and decide to use the Medicare Part B guidelines for co-treating versus Medicare Part A so that they don't risk that you build something incorrectly. I'm not saying that that's the best way to do it, but that may explain some of the behaviors of your facility. And if you think that's what's happening, it's best just to ask questions. I do want to provide a quick plug that if this kind of information, inpatient, observation, med A, med B, is already kind of getting your head spinning a little bit and feeling a little overwhelming, that's normal. But I will let you know that in the Amplify OT membership, I do have a full course, Mastering OT Policy and Medicare, that really goes into depth in the different types of Medicare or the different Medicare plans and also the billing for each settings, including acute care. We go a little bit more in depth on the different types of billing and payment methods that exist in acute care. So if this is something where you're already thinking, whoa, that's a lot of information, then this is a service that I recommend for you, especially if you're a new grad or you're transitioning into a different setting. It includes short videos, quizzes, resources to help kind of demystify this information so you can work in these areas with a lot less friction. Okay, so with all of that said, let's go ahead and dive into our first scenario of a patient who is admitted to the hospital. So they are an inpatient patient and it is billed under Medicare Part A. The reason it's important to know that this is Medicare Part A and not Medicare Part B is because the way that you can bill for co-treating differs not based on the setting, but based on the type of Medicare or the Medicare plan that you are billing. So technically, both Medicare Part A and Part B allow co-treating, but how you bill for them is different. So under Medicare Part A, inpatient hospital stays are reimbursed under something called a DRG or a diagnosis-related group. DRGs effectively function like a bundled payment model in that the hospital receives one lump sum of money for that hospital stay to pay for the services that are provided, which includes therapy services. So because of this payment model, this is why your hospital may really pressure you to provide the best outcomes with the least amount and shortest visits possible. Because occupational therapy or other therapies are generally seen as like a line deduction, versus something that is bringing in revenue or a revenue driver. Now, this is not to say that occupational therapy does not positively impact reimbursement in acute care because we do in terms of decreased length of stays, decreased hospital readmissions, etc. But when they're kind of looking at how money is being spent, they're generally going to see occupational therapy as a line item, which is why it's important for us to be able to understand how we impact reimbursement whether it's directly or indirectly. So after jumping on that quick little side soapbox, we'll get back to co-treating. So under Medicare Part A, again, and this is partly because your services are not separately reimbursed, you can co-treat and the OT and PT or OTA PTA can both bill for the same minutes. That being said, you can only bill for the minutes where you are providing a skilled reasonable and necessary intervention. So let's look at two scenarios. First scenario, the occupational therapist and the physical therapist are completing a evaluation. They're both in the room for 30 minutes. Both OT and PT are working together to formulate the patient profile, formulate the patient goals, complete a functional evaluation. So this often happens, especially like in 
your ICUs where there is a lot of lines that need to be managed. The patient requires a lot of assist and they're really acute and fragile in terms of their medical status. So you really want two skilled clinicians in there helping out with that intervention versus using a tech. In this type of scenario, again, you're in there both in there for 30 minutes, both the OT and PT could potentially charge an aval as well as their appropriate treatment codes for a total of 30 minutes of intervention time. This could also happen in a regular visit where, again, both therapies are providing a skilled intervention at the same time, then both therapies can bill for that time. Scenario number two, let's say you have an OT and a PT who go into seeing a patient at the same time. Now, maybe they did it because maybe the patient was a little bit weaker yesterday or they have a crazy schedule in the hospital. They're going to wound care three times a week plus dialysis. And so for scheduling purposes as well, maybe they might have some weakness. Both the OT and PTA or OT and PT, however, go into the room together. However, during this session, the patient has gotten better, and let's say that the patient really only requires meniscus of two to get up, or meniscus of one, and I know there's you know a discussion about whether or not that's really technically a meniscus or dependent, but anyways, let's say you have a meniscus really of one, and the second person is there for standby, and then because you know, you're trying to do your colleague a solid, you help provide some wheelchair follow for some in-hallway ambulation. Or maybe while occupational therapy is having the patient stand at the sink and brush their teeth, the physical therapist or physical therapy assistant goes to go get their exercise equipment, a new walker, or whatever it may be, they're out of the room going to do something. Under those kinds of scenarios, you should not both be billing for the full time because you are not providing a skilled face-to-face intervention that entire treatment time. If what you're doing could be done by a tech or by a nurse or by any other discipline that isn't your training, you cannot bill for that. Because you are not providing a service that is skilled, meaning that it's not utilizing your unique training and skills, and you may be providing a service that's not reasonable and necessary. So in this case, you need to figure out when were you providing a skilled service and only bill for that time. Now, depending on the patient, there may be some times where you both were providing a skilled service. And so you can both bill for those few minutes. But if you're both kind of in there trading off as to who's doing what, which can also happen sometimes in evaluations where you think the patient's gonna be really needing two skilled clinicians and it ends up they don't and you both just stay in the room because it's easier to do that than to try and coordinate and lose that time, then you need to kind of split your minutes in a way that reflects the care that was provided. So while the answer is yes, You can co-treat under Medicare Part A. It does not mean that you both can always bill for the total amount of intervention or treatment time. It really comes down to whether or not both of you were providing a skilled, reasonable, and necessary service at the same time to the same patient. You can check the boxes to all those scenarios. Then yes, you can both bill for the full intervention time or the full session time. After this quick break, we will discuss scenario number two, which is Medicare Part B or observation and outpatient status patients. Today's episode is proudly sponsored by MedBridge, your go-to resource for advancing your occupational therapy career and, of course, getting those necessary CEUs. If you are passionate about staying at the forefront of our field and enhancing your skills, MedBridge is a comprehensive solution. 
With the MedBridge subscription, you gain access to an extensive library of high-quality live and recorded courses led by industry experts. So stay up to date with the latest advancements in occupational therapy, explore evidence-based practice, and enhance your clinical skills. One reason that I really like and recommend MedBridge is because they have both intervention-based courses and policy and reimbursement-based courses, and that is a rare find in a CEU company. But here's the best part for our OT Amplifiers community. If you use the promo code AMPLIFYOT at checkout, you'll unlock an exclusive 40% discount on your MedBridge subscription. Yes, you heard that right, 40% off with the code AMPLIFYOT, that's A-M-P-L-I-F-Y-O-T. This is a fantastic opportunity to save some money, elevate your practice, and support Amplify OT. So don't miss out on this chance to supercharge your professional development and head over to medbridge.com, use the promo code AMPLIFYOT, and enjoy the benefits of MedBridge while also supporting AMPLIFYOT and all the free resources that we produce here, like this podcast. So again, head to medbridge.com, use the code AMPLIFYOT at checkout, and we also have the link for you in the show notes. Are you ready to take your occupational therapy practice to the next level? Then look no further than the Amplify OT membership. You heard that right. Amplify OT has its very own membership program. This membership is designed to help occupational therapy practitioners just like you stay informed about the latest developments in Medicare and advocacy. You will have exclusive access to resources, webinars, the Mastering OT Policy and Medicare course, Q&A sessions, plus the ability to DM me your questions and get answers fast. But of course, that is not all. As a member, you'll be part of a community of like-minded occupational therapy practitioners who share their expertise and offer support. So by joining the Amplify OT membership, you'll be able to stay up to date on the latest Medicare regulations and guidelines, learn how to advocate for your patients and your profession, connect with other OT practitioners and students to share your knowledge, and you'll have access to those exclusive resources and webinars so you can reach your full potential as an OT provider. So don't miss out on this opportunity to take your practice to the next level. Sign up for the Amplify OT membership today by going to the link in the show notes or amplifyot.com forward slash membership. Don't forget to stay informed and be the change that you want to see in our healthcare system. So as promised, let's start talking about Medicare Part B or observation patients. Now, in my mind, this one's a little bit straightforward because while, yes, you can still co-treat, neither of you can bill for the same time. Meaning, if both of you are in the same room for 30 minutes, you would have to somehow split the minutes. So either both of you can only bill for 15 minutes each or 10 and 20, however it is that makes sense for you to split those minutes. Under Medicare Part B, under no circumstances can your minutes overlap. So it can't be like under Medicare Part A where let's say you both provided a skilled intervention for 10 minutes and then you kind of were both still in the room but really only providing a skilled service for five minutes each. You could bill for the 10 minutes that overlapped each. So you'd both bill for like 15 even though you were both in the room for 20. That's not the case here. If you are both in the room for 20 minutes, Even if both of you are providing a skilled service at the same time, only one of you can bill for those minutes. And keep in mind that these rules around co-treating under Medicare Part B apply even outside of acute care. So this also applies in skilled nursing facilities or private practice, outpatient centers, anywhere that you're billing Medicare Part B, 
these rules around like how you split your minutes for co-treating still apply. So again, this is why facilities really discourage co-treating, especially on observation and outpatient patients, because they will lose money on your time. Versus if you went in separately, you could both bill for that time, therefore making more money because Medicare Part B is fee for service. So the more therapy that's provided under Medicare Part B, the more money they make. So just make this example a little more concrete as to why facilities really don't like when practitioners co-treat, especially in like skilled nursing facilities. It comes down a lot to the money. So to make things easy for math, we're going to assume that you make $40 an hour. So we'll do an OT and a PT in this example. So the OT makes $40 an hour and the PT makes $40 an hour. You want to do a half hour intervention. So for the cost of your wages for that half hour are $20 each. So for the facility to pay you to provide a 30-minute treatment together, that's costing them $40 for your hourly wages, just the hourly wages. Now let's assume that a CPT code in this case is $25. Generally, a CPT code may pay a little bit more, and there's also other factors in terms of the you know, multiple codes reductions, but to make our math easy, we're just going to assume that on average, one code is worth $25. Now, because you provided a 30-minute treatment or a 30-minute intervention, you can charge two units. So that's a $50 for that intervention. But because both the OT and PT were in the room for Medicare Part B, you can't both charge two units. Total, you can only charge two units, so you split it. So essentially, it cost the facility $40 to provide that intervention, and they only made $50. So that barely breaks even if you're thinking about that from their perspective in terms of paying for supplies, rent, your benefits, etc. But if you did it separately, let's say both the OT and the PT provided 30-minute interventions separately. The facility is still only paying $40 because you're just getting paid hourly. But now, since you provided the intervention separately, the OT can build two units and the PT can build two units. So now instead of making $50 on that one session, they're able to make $100. And so you can see financially how that makes a lot more sense to them and why they really discourage co-treating unless it is absolutely necessary. And again, a lot of this comes down to understanding how your services are paid for as to whether or not you can do something because how your services are paid for generally are a reflection of then what your facility does or does not want you to do. And so that is why under Medicare Part A, they aren't as strict around co-treating because the reimbursement is there to support it. Because when under Medicare Part A, if you're both providing a skilled service, you can both bill for it. But under Medicare Part B, the reimbursement really is not there to support co-treating, just like the reimbursement really isn't fully there to support group services either. So that is why you see such a discrepancy in the types and quantity of services that facilities, especially like skilled nursing facilities where you often are billing both versus like what you might see in the hospital where they really are trying to think financially around the services that you provide and so they don't want you to see a patient at the same time. So it doesn't mean that you cannot co-treat, you legally can, but how you bill for it is different and how your facility perceives that co-treat is also going to be different as a result of how it's paid for. So usually what therapists end up doing is that they end up just kind of splitting the minutes 50-50.
This is not always necessarily the best way to do it because it can look suspicious if you're always splitting it 50-50. Generally, you want to try and find a way that makes sense to split it where let's say you are focusing on ADLs or self-care for a certain amount of time, kind of split it by the CPT code versus splitting it by minutes alone. And then of course, too, if you are under Medicare Part B, you have to follow all the other Medicare Part B rules like the OTA and PTA payment differential, etc. CMS has a really nice document titled like 11 Part B Billing Scenarios, which talks about individual versus group treatment as well as team treating, which applies to PT and OT. So I will link that for you in the show notes. Speech therapies codes are more often than not untimed codes. So Co-treating with them can be a little bit easier because they still get paid the same amount no matter how long they're in the room because it's an untimed code versus OTPT when you're using timed codes, things get a little bit more complicated in the co-treating department. There's also a couple other scenarios to be aware of where this kind of fee-for-service model may not fully apply, and that's under kind of alternative payment models. The most common one you'll come across is the Comprehensive Joint Replacement Program, or a CJR. The Comprehensive Joint Replacement Program basically is a bundled payment program where the cost of the surgery as well as any care that's provided for 90 days after that stay are included under the one lump sum payment. So it's not reimbursed separately under fee-for-service like it might normally be, but this does kind of get confusing because basically what happens is that when the therapist is billing for their services or the therapy practitioner it's pulling money out of that bundled payment. So the therapy practitioner is still receiving that money as like a fee-for-service, but it's not technically a full normal fee-for-service because it's coming out of the CJR money. So again, if your orthopedic surgeons are really cutting down on therapy utilization after a comprehensive joint replacement or like a total joint replacement, so total knees, total hips, that's why it's because of the CJR and the bundled payment model. So I've linked a few resources for you in the show notes. So that 11 Part B billing scenario, I've also linked something to the Acute Inpatient Prospective Payment System or IPPS, which revolves around the DRGs and has information there. And I also want to highlight a joint guidelines for therapy co-treatment under Medicare that was done by AOTA, APTA, and ASHA. And there's a few things I want to pull out for a minute that you also, again, need to remember whenever you're co-treating in any scenario which is that it always has to be appropriate and coordinated between the two disciplines that are doing it. It is generally not recommended that you do it between all three that gets super funky and also just generally is very rarely appropriate. So generally it's recommended that it only be the two disciplines and that it always be appropriately coordinated to benefit the patient. You cannot co-treat and bill for it that way because of scheduling convenience. Now, there are therapy practitioners that may decide to go into the same room at the same time for scheduling purposes, but you can't bill a co-treat because you did it because it was better for your schedule or your productivity. Also, you want to make sure that you're clearly documenting the reason for the co-treatment, why both of you provided or how both of you provided a skilled intervention, and make sure that it is clear what goals each of the disciplines were addressing, how they're different, et cetera. Now, this does not have to be paragraphs upon paragraphs, but your documentation, as always, should demonstrate the skilled intervention that was provided and why what you did was skilled. And especially when you're co-treating, you want to make sure to document that you co-treated so it doesn't look like one of you fudged your notes around. 
but also making sure that you're documenting the reason for the co-treat and why this why it required two skilled therapy practitioners. This resource also has some fantastic case examples. Now keep in mind this document was written in 2012, but to my knowledge, the guidelines around co-treating have not changed since then. So the case examples should still be fully relevant and accurate. It is completely free to members and non-members, so I have it linked in the show notes, so make sure to check that out and maybe print it out for your staff or for yourself whenever you need a quick reference. All right, folks, that's all I've got for you today. As always, let me know if you have any questions. Send me an email, a DM on Instagram, or head to the link down in the show notes and join the Amplify OT membership where you have the ability to not only just ask me and access my information, but our entire community of amazing practitioners and students. So I hope to see you in the membership. And if anything, I hope you have a great rest of your day. If you made it this far, I want to just take a moment to say thank you so much for listening to the Amplify OT podcast. And I hope you're feeling a little more inspired and prepared to amplify your value and the value of occupational therapy. If you found yourself at any point thinking, gosh, I guess policy isn't that dull and boring, then you're definitely going to love how we talk about policy and advocacy in the Amplify OT membership. There's a link in the show notes where you can sign up today so you can take an immediate next step towards emerging as a confident clinician. And of course, don't forget to follow the Amplify OT podcast so that way you never miss an episode. And you know, while you're there, why don't you go ahead and leave us a five-star review because that's the best way to help others find the podcast too. And of course, thank you so much to Jessica Riccio for editing this podcast and for all of you for giving me a reason to record it. You're now officially part of the OT Amplifier community and you are now prepared to go out there and advocate for OT because remember, if we don't advocate for occupational therapy, then who will?